All right, welcome back to the Run to Daylight podcast. As always, I'm your host, Todd Burrows. And you might be saying, well, Todd, I thought you said you weren't going to be doing many NFL uh, Run to Daylight podcasts. And uh, you were right. But something came up and uh, I met a player agent. His name is Max Lepselter. And I thought it would be fascinating to do a podcast interviewing an agent on what he does. And maybe it'll even lead into doing some podcasts with some of his players. So if you like the podcast, reach out to Max and let him know. And, you know, without much further ado, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Max Lepselter of Max Management. Max, it is great to have you on the show. Appreciate it, Todd. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to talking with you. Absolutely. Uh, you and I met through a, a business in, engagement, and we had a lot in common. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure. Absolutely. Could you please tell us a little bit about where you're from and when your interest in sports started? Absolutely. Uh, from northern uh, northern New Jersey, a town called Wayne. Uh, actually, Greg Olson and I went to the same high school. From that neck of the woods and growing up, I actually have been around this sports uh, representation industry my whole life. My father was an NFL agent for quite some time, represented some key guys like the Barber Brothers, and uh, was kind of running that for a long time. And then about 10, 11 years ago and change, shifted his business into more of a broadcasting representation uh, firm. So with that, represented guys like uh, Chris Canty, Bart Scott, Nate Burleson, Tiki, Rondé, Rodney Harrison, so on and so forth. So been around this kind of my whole life and really have seen an evolution from what the representation game currently is. That's very interesting. I didn't know that you had a history in it. It kind of was one of the questions that I had. Um, so I'll ask it in the, in, the, in the past tense. How did your dad get into the industry? Very... A very, very unique uh, situation that you won't see in today's day. And to make it long and short, my grandfather was uh, in the catering industry for about 30 years, high up, running a, a ton of places in north, you know, in northern New Jersey. And when Lawrence Taylor opened up his sports bar right by the Meadowlands. I uh, remember father, that. Yeah. My I father, lived in Hackensack at the time. There you go. My father was the manager, actually. And then just having a marketing background and whatnot, they strike a little relationship. And this was right after Lawrence's you know, retirement. Obviously, he was going through his personal uh, personal situations. And him and my father just started working on a few projects together. And I think the major turning point was my father getting him in at, of the role as Luther Shark LeVay in Any Given Sunday. I did not know that either. That is fascinating. Yep. Um, so you, so all right. So you grow up in it, but of course you probably went to college. Uh, where did you go to school? Did you do anything out of school, or just get right into this? Yeah, I uh, going to school. I actually was up in Connecticut for a little bit, and then transferred back to a local school in, in North Jersey. For me, just the way I know how my personality is, I am, I know how I am as a learner. And as much as I would have loved to go, uh, you know, completely out of state and go to an awesome school, a big school and party it up, to me it was just something I knew I had to be really focused on, you know, what I was looking to accomplish. So I stayed vocal. I had internships just about every semester of college, especially 
really, we'll, we'll say junior, senior year. Uh, you know, early on in college, I was absolutely doing some smaller stuff with my father, really learning it. And junior, senior year had some uh, unique opportunities that I think really propelled me. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Nick Spike, and he's with a company called Thusio, really taught me everything I knew about selling and the sports and entertainment world. And I give him a, a multitude and beyond uh, incredible amounts of credit for what, not only what he's been able to do, but kind of teaching me that industry and really positioning me for coming out of school and being in having the opportunities I had. That, that is awesome stuff. All right. First of all, I, I neglected to mention that Lawrence Taylor is my favorite player of all time. I don't care about the history and, you know, his demons, you know, a lot of I think the whole making athletes, these role models is is a antiquated kind of way to look at an athlete. Um, but the only good thing about my age and getting older isn't a lot of fun. But the only good thing about this year is I'm 56 years old and I get to tell people I finally achieved LT status because I'm 56. <laughs> I so get I get it. I'm, I won't forget. I mean, it's been four. We celebrated his 60th at the Super Bowl, but his 56th birthday was uh, was one for the one for the ages. Yep. So, um, you know, I'll never forget 56 and what he brought to, you know, as a, a lifelong Giant fan. I grew up in the 70s when they were awful. And just the difference that he and Parcells and Belichick made to that organization, it, 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 it really changed my life in a lot of ways. So, and it changed the way the game is played. Oh, there's no doubt. I uh, mean, common sense, of course. My one of my favorite things on the internet recently is someone asked uh, Belichick if Khalil Mack uh, compares to Lawrence Taylor, yep. and he looks at him and he goes, "Come on, no one's LT." Right. And and the biggest mistake that George Young ever made was somehow he didn't think that Belichick had a, being a head coach in him, and that's what led to the whole Ray Handley thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible history right there. Now, the other thing I found very interesting as someone who's been in sales for 25 years, and I'm going to put it in a little later, but I definitely want to touch more on this whole concept of selling and how it relates to what you do. Yep. So um, there's multiple roles that player reps have. Can you explain the dynamics of the dips, different types of services offered and how you fit into that dynamic? Absolutely. Um, you hit the nail on the head. And again, seeing how this game has really changed over the last 20 years, per se, and where it currently stands, it's a different time. And with that, you have a lot of these big agents and agencies uh, who have a awesome list. Uh, I'm sorry, awesome book of business and you know, have a ton of clientele. But at the same time, how much can they really do for each guy? How much do they have the resources to put in? So if you're the CAAs, the Octagons, the Rosenhouses, how many guys can you really handle full circle instead of just the NFL contractual standpoint? We have several relationships with uh, a few agents that we work very closely with. They have a, a ton of clients. They're very close with their clients. They crush it on the contract side, but they view it as, whether it's they don't have the resources, whether they don't want to have to engage in our side of the business, whether they want to focus on other endeavors, um, they kind of refer as business. So with that, I think a lot of these kids and what I'm trying to uh, instill in a lot of these college players coming out is 
separate and build a team. Have your agent handle X. And then you have your off-the-field rep and your team, which for us, we handle um, marketing, endorsements, activations, uh, appearances, sponsorship, business management, charitable endeavors, public relations, digital assets, strategic alliances. With all these different services, we all, I, I can't sit here and tell you, no, I'm not a financial advisor. But as a business manager, I have a network in place where I'm going to position my clients to be in front of the guys who I absolutely trust and have uh, credibility and have had success when it comes to athlete financial uh, representation or venture capitalists that we align our guys with or a real estate agent that they either help them career along with their, with their homes or if they want to go buy a multifamily property. As a business manager, to me, the, that's where relationships and having a network is so monstrous along with the fact that from a marketing and branding aspect because this is what we focus on every day compared to a lot of these agencies, even if whether it's the big dogs, the mid-level – you know, you got a bunch of these marketing coordinators and hey, I, I respect everybody's work. I know I can't talk on behalf of somebody else, but I truly think uh, when it comes down to it, a guy wants to know that I have somebody that actually is specializing in this and not just somebody who, uh, based on my agent, uh, somebody on their team that's doing a little bit of outreach for brand opportunities and everything else that goes into building an overall player's brand. Yeah. And, and see, you just answered part of the question on how you sell yourself to players, right? I mean, that is probably a decent part of the pitch. Now, the other thing that I agree with 100%, the NFL game has gone to specialists. It's not like, the you know, if you, if you know your history, it used to be that, you know, there were, there were 11 players and they played both ways. Right. And then, then late 50s, it switched to offense and defense. And, and now, you know, with the different formations – there's constantly uh, the need for more players to play and fill different roles. What you're basically saying is it is no different in the agent game where you're a specialist like a third down back and, and you handle certain things and, and, and that's a way that you can bring extra value to your clients. There's no doubt about it. And like anything else, our relationships with our clients, it ranges. Some of them are going to be full circle, top to bottom. We handle every aspect of their careers besides the NFL contractual side. And there's some guys that we just do marketing endorsements and paid activations for and focus on just creating some financially beneficial opportunities. So it all depends. And especially with, like you said, having the different sorts of talent around the, the league right now where you do have special teams players or you have package players for certain things and uh, you know they get in at other opportunities, other positions. So those guys are the ones that need and are looking for so much more because a lot of times they're not getting what they need off the field. And if a player is coming to us in, in full transparency, and the reality is if a player is coming to us and saying, you know what, I'm only looking for paid active, I'm only looking for paid opportunities. Well, as a company and as a business professional, I have to make sure that on a strictly commission standpoint, that talent is worth my time and I can make enough money um, based on what I can bring into them because I'm not making their two and a half, three percent on their on the field contract. So I'm only working off off of fumes, whereas for a lot of our other guys, we work on other levels of relationships and it makes a little more a little bit more sense. 
So yeah, if you're talking a blue chip caliber guy, a, a guy with a huge social presence, yes, you can make stuff happen on a purely commission standpoint. But if certain certain caliber players are saying, hey, I need X, Y, Z, and the expectations are completely lopsided for the talent versus the representative, tough to do business. Trust has to be the the number one commodity because you hear so many stories about players getting hoodwinked by this guy or that guy. Um, so, you know, it's I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And by doing a certain portion of their bookings, you're also showing them that you're trustworthy to do more if they choose to have you do more. Correct. Correct. And, th and that's exactly what it is. Getting it, obviously being around it and watching uh, my father's relationships with his clients and it showed me how important it was. I didn't get into the industry to become friends with athletes. I became, I got into it um, to really build brands, build relationships with guys, create opportunity, show a different side of the business that a lot of these people, uh, a lot of these representatives are not really doing and utilizing. And with that, organically, building close relationships and friendships with my clients and their families because yes trust is a long way goes a long way and the other thing is as mentioned as a manager i plan on being there for the duration of my clients careers and beyond whereas and in fairness and that's why i'm not going to talk negatively upon agents but there are some agents that have lifelong relationships with their clients and some that hey after they're done playing and there's not much going on financially the, the relationship really isn't there. Whereas for me, I'm going to be there making sure they get into that next phase of their career and we strike a business partnership in whatever endeavors they're choosing to uh, move forward on. Yeah, that, that that's a really great point. Um, you mentioned something about not, not getting into it to be their friend. I think that's a whole podcast on itself that we could do maybe another time Absolutely. Uh, about the different styles and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I want to focus on, um, you know, uh, my next question is there's a lot of key things that people probably think they understand about what you do. Uh, what are some of the big misunderstandings that you find? I think twofold. It's a great question. I think one is I'm not a professional babysitter and I will absolutely do everything I can to assist my clients and make sure they're in the best position possible uh, on and off the field in their uh, in their personal lives in their business endeavors um, but at the same time a guy has to be willing to reciprocate and with that another thing I learned a long time ago is if the juice isn't worth the squeeze keep it moving there's always a lot of other athletes uh, and there's always a lot of other opportunity if a guy needs you if you need a guy if a guy needs you more than you need him, then you know the relationship is not uh, is really not balanced. And the second part is the notion I think a lot of people presume is that marketing reps they're just you're going to hire them they're going to bring you money and that's the norm and it, it's just not the way it is because there's so much more competition in 2019 uh, when it comes to digital assets brand building. Uh, you know, the rise of affiliate influencer marketing, micro and macro level influencers with targeted demographics. So when you're pitching a bunch of athletes that, hey, these guys are big time NFL players, but you know their social presence isn't as big as this individual, you're going against a lot of competition. So it's not that easy, which is why you have to really cultivate 
every aspect of the off-the-field representation uh, play than just the marketing and endorsements or else you're disposable. You need to be able to handle the uh, public relations, getting these guys on digital assets, publications, TV, radio, yada, 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 uh, all the way through the charitable endeavors, all the way through, again, aligning them with business ventures that they that may fit their brand and may fit their interests. So I think the concept of, hey, I'm hiring a marketing guy who's just going to make me a bunch of money off the field just because I, I play in the NFL, not going to happen. It's just remotely not going to happen. And, and, and that kind of truth is what you know the players need to hear. It, it's hard to convince anyone of anything in life. Human beings are are, are innately pretty stubborn. Um, but you know the fact that you're at least telling your your players that I think is important. You mentioned public relations. Can you give us some more insight into into how this tends to work and what you do for players in this regard? Yeah, I, I think the term public relations really at times gets convoluted, we'll say, because what we do just from a general marketing aspect is public relations. So when we have a client that's going and doing an appearance with a charity, and that is PR by itself, that's branding, that's marketing, it's all, it's all really grouped together. But from an, excuse me, an additional public relations standpoint, that could be, again, based on level of talent, and we're not going to go through specific – we're not going to go through specifics, but guys that are going to do podcast interviews, guys that are going to do uh, local, regional and national radio opportunities, guys who are going to do uh, in-studio appearances for national shows, whether that be Good Morning Football on NFL Network, uh, First Things First with Nick Wright and, and Chris Carter, uh, you know, NFL Total Access Car Wash. Um, you know, Bleacher Report, Players Tribune, Uninterrupted, doing uh, doing digital asset takeovers. This is where the whole public relations really goes hand in hand with the marketing and branding, uh, and it's a key, and it's a you know pretty crucial piece of being able to build the brand for the guys. Yeah, and you know, and I I was really amazed as I got into podcasting. You know, I mentioned my age and I'm older, but I I like to think like a young guy, even though I'm not. And it's just, you know, it's amazing to me how many young guys only get information from podcasts. They're moving, their phone is their life. And, um, you know, sure, maybe, maybe you know, the top 5% of players might not be interested in doing podcasts. But for everyone else, uh, it, it's a great way to build a brand and get a very loyal audience. Extremely. And, you know, I say to my guys all the time, um, I think, I think for current players currently playing, I don't know if it's smart for them for their brand, just because of the nature of where the NFL currently is, that they can, uh, you know, potentially, that maybe they, it's not good for them to have their own podcast, but doing podcast interviews, as long as I think that it, it really does make exactly. sense, it's going to be differentiated, and you're not going to talk about the same twelve questions that anybody else will ask you. I always tell my guys you should do it because a, you never know. Who may be able to follow you from that? And B, you never know what your words can do for other people. And that's what part of your platform. So if you're not a national name and I can't go get you on a major publication, leverage this right now as we continue building. Uh, well, I continue building off the field. You build on the field. See where it ends up. Yeah, I, I th and that was something that our conversation started with and why we want to do a, a bit of a series on podcasts with your guys 
is because of of exactly what you say. They get asked the same 10, 12 questions and they come on for the same 15 minute segment. Right. People really don't get to know them. I know that's spot on. Uh, what are activations and what can you tell us about them? Activations can be a, a number of different way, a number of different things how we view activations, um, both whether it be purely on a social media activation on a content uh, or more of a national exposure opportunity. So a, like a social media activation we did with Nate Burleson and Steve Madden for the Super Bowl, creating organic content, him partnering with the brand, capturing his day-to-day uh, during his Super Bowl run, everything he was doing uh, on a daily basis. And I think that's where a lot of brands as well as representatives need to understand that, again, going back to it, content is key, not only volume, but creativity, something that honestly – based on other ex- prior experiences I've had in my career, as well as people that are around me daily uh, from our strategic relationships, I've really been able to start learning creativity. And um, you know what that does for relationships with athletes, partnerships, as well as you know national opportunities, what's going, what's going to go into it, what are the deliverables? Are they going to appear at a school? Are they doing a content shoot? Are they going and showing up at a uh, a local shop, right? For you know, a, a little ende- a charitable endeavor, activations, or anything involving the talent and what they're trying to do with their brand. Yeah, uh, one one thing I I run into a lot is you tend to get people who try and build their brand through being controversial. Um, they'll say either stupid things or inflammatory things. What are your what you know? It can build an audience, but it can also backfire on you. What are your thoughts on this in general? And let's look at two key players who were in the news a lot this last year in Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Any thoughts on how controversy uh, on the, their controversies and how they handled it uh, either helped or hurt their leverage? It's a unique question and it's a tough answer. And I want to keep it very short and simple on this just because, uh, you know, like anything else, I don't want certain words being uh, taken the wrong out of context. Of course, of course. I do think I agree wholeheartedly that it could be a positive and a negative because of the fact that when you're, you know, when you're being talked about that much and you're all over the social platforms and you're trending and you're, uh, all these different things that you know come come with that. Yes, your name is out there. Your your presence is growing. It's great. But at the end of the day, my concern for them is when people start questioning your character. Not only could that question your teammates in the locker room, but when you're you're working with brands, businesses, and other uh, other individuals off the field and building a legacy, building a brand, that can very well affect you. Certain people may take it one way, some may take it the other. So I think there's a positive and a negative. But for my guys, what I really try and tell them is really truthfully uh, try and stay clear of anything controversial. Uh, It's not worth it. If Let your play on the field elevate your name and bring you to to that next level. Yeah, I I think only people at the top, top, top level get away with that. I think of any player who's not in that top level, and it, and you could argue it might not have even worked that well for uh, one of those two people that I just mentioned. Right. Uh, you know, th- th- these these NFL teams are very very conservative, and it it really could hurt you. So, extremely. go ahead. Yeah. No. Extremely. I yep. agree. 
Uh, uh, we got one or two more questions here. Free agency is basically just concluded. What role do you tend to have with your players as this uh, uh, approaches? And how do you add value during this crucial time? Great question. Uh, it, it all depends, again, who the player is, what the relationship is. When our clients are going through that in fairness and to respect to their agents, um, I don't, I don't, I try and somewhat stay on the sideline, if that makes sense. Let the agent do their role. Let me do my role. But from a standpoint of preparing the athlete, if they have to be on the move and if they have a family and, and getting all the pieces in place to go to that next spot, making sure, you know, getting rid of wherever they're living and trying to make sure that we're uh, obviously really being smart in terms of what we're spending money on, where we're going, how we're doing it, everything from that standpoint. But I also like to, I also like to really be involved as much as possible because just being a football guy by itself and from a standpoint of trying to build those very close relationships with my guys, I want to know as much as I can about what's going on, uh, you know, what the next steps entail. Uh, that that's all awesome stuff. I'm I'm so happy that you came on. Any last thoughts you have that you'd like to share with our listeners, and uh, also uh, let people know how they can get in contact with you. Absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, it's you know really finding the niche in what you're trying to do in the industry and figuring out what that may entail. Um, like I said, the people around me. I really have tried to be, I try to be a sponge about everything I can learn and everything that this industry has to offer. So I would say just being, build a network, create meaningful relationships. And I think that's what's ultimately going to set you apart from the next guy uh, after that. And to get in touch with me, uh, please follow us on our social platforms, uh, Max with two X's, MGMT. Our website is www.maxmgmt.co. And uh, my personal email is very similar, max at maxmgmt.co. I would love to connect with people and anybody who may be able to uh, offer value to my clients. I'd love to connect. Awesome. Max, thank you very much. This was great. I think, you know, a lot of the, 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 the people that follow me are fantasy football people. And, you know, we just want to know more, right? We want Absolutely. to feel engaged. And having you on was a great thing. Thanks so much for doing it. My pleasure, my friend. Talk soon.